podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 69 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast in association with Fan Hub, where the fans come first. And our local business sponsor, local business partner this week um, is Size Barbershop on Egbert Road. Uh, open up again on Wednesday coming, obviously with the out of lockdown and straight into tier two. The, the barbers are going to be open again. I can speak personally, there's a cracking cut I was down there after the first lockdown. Uh, he's, a, he's a cracking Evertonian side as well, always at the game. So if you can give him some support and, and head down there. Book yourself in on the on the books. Yeah, he, he looks look quite shocking actually from what I've seen in the in the uh, the first couple of days. Everyone's getting in there after after four weeks of, of no haircut. So uh, have a little check on on what's available anyway, and get get yourselves get yourselves booked in. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we're back. Everton are back to uh, well back to to being defeated by a, a lead side, which which we said was going to be difficult. Um, but I found myself massively, massively annoyed last night. I was, I was, I was. I know you're, you're the biggest local piece. We, we, we know that you know from past experience. It's terrible when we get beat. I, I found myself going into into peak mode last night. I was, I was in a terrible mood after the game, um, and it wasn't even our our worst performance to be honest. But I'll come to you first, Pete. We should, for me, we should have approached the game in a slightly different manner, shouldn't we? Definitely. It was a really strange Everton performance for me. I, I mean, I'd say firstly, we were just incredibly wasteful. I mean, I know there were the, the two disallowed goals that were you know, marginally offside, but they were correct decisions, weren't they? And offside is offside. Um, but there were so many chances we should have done better with. You know, the Decorey one, fair enough, he was on the stretch, but should have put it away. That Richarlison one for me, where Hammers put it, put it through, I would have put all my money on him. Just to uh, to take that and score first time, and you know, just he didn't connect with it. Um, but tactically, it was just a really strange performance again, wasn't it? I don't think any of the players looked comfortable in the system. Um, you know, when we went forward, we were like two different teams. You know, we we looked quite assertive with the front three of Hammers, Calvert Lewin, and Richarlison. I mean, you would have put put money on us to score um, with the way we were playing going forward, but. Didn't take the chances, and at the back, again, lots of space between uh, you know the right and left centre halves and the full backs playing with Davies and Awobi uh, in that system, which I, I you know I'm sure we'll come on to it later. But for me, it was just balmy. You know, the fact that Nkuku doesn't even make the bench after some of his performances in the cup, and he's shown you know against West Ham, um, you know, he's he's got quality to to play in that game so. It was just a really, really strange one. Um, really odd. And it, it, you know, I think I think Lee Lee, Lee summed up really, really well because Lee, Lee tweeted last night, and and I, th- I thought it was spot on because there's a lot of doom and gloom around. And like I say, I was frustrated. I was I was stuck on myself. Um, and then obviously, like we like to do, we like we like to reflect on the game, and and that's why why we majority of the time we tend to record sort of you know 24 hours after a game a lot of the time because sometimes it's just too reactive and I you know I was reading through Twitter and a lot of people were were, were kicking off and you know I even saw a few Carlo out shouts which is just what what, what a thing to say Um, but Lee you you put it really well and what you said was for those who've not seen the tweet a game of fine margins Carlo isn't a miracle worker he can't turn water into wine but for me he has to leave a, a, a will be right wing back and trust and uh, Kunku to come in at left wing back. It really affected our balance, which we're going to come on to shortly. Uh, the sooner we have a natural six sitting, the better and more solid we will be. Obviously, Gabamon is the one we're, we're looking for there. But I think it's spot on. It sums it up quite well, really. But, you know, taking all that into account, the frustration, Lee, is 
is still there because we, we feel we should be going to that game against Leeds and come out with three points, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should, mate. I mean, the, the thanks for the shout out on the tweet there, by the way. Thanks for that. Um, no, but I, I, that's exactly kind of how, how I think a lot of us felt, really. A lot of us that kind of follow the game and things like that would have felt kind of that sort of similar way. I think we knew what we, what Leeds brought to the table. We kind of knew what was coming, didn't we? We all knew that. Everyone knows the way Leeds play and the Bielsa, the way any Bielsa team plays. He plays very much front foot football, very much almost gung ho attacking style and hunting packs, almost like sometimes like playing with almost no formation and everyone knows if you can get past that you know and break those break that those sort of almost semi-man marking sort of tactics that he has uh as we as we showed a few times you can get in and you can score goals against them but we almost got dragged into kind of their tempo of play and and, and we i thought we were really wasteful in possession you know we all knew they were going to come at us that's fine you know and i think you know carlo knew that as well and that's kind of why we went still with the sort of, you know, three at the back or a lot of the time out of possession, it was five. And 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 almost to try and, you know, as he said in his pre, pre-presses, wasn't it? We need to close down the space. We need to be more compact. You know, we're, we're far too open in the games, certainly, in the, you know, against Fulham and that first half. Um, and they just, it's like Pete just said, that every time they went forward, they looked like they were going to create a chance to score a goal. And then conversely, every time we went forward, we looked like we were going to score score a goal and, and you know my prediction of four three full time nearly happened at half time. You know, it could have quite easily been four three at half time. Um and, and that's that's not even exaggerating. I just thought it, it's just one of those games and I think Carla was right on in, in the post maps that um the longer the game went on you just knew I think I texted you boys didn't I with about twenty thirty to go and I think it was even less than that actually. Um one nil's won this. You know, one nil wins it straight away. It just it turned into that sort of game, and then it was just mega frustrating because, again, as well as Leeds played, and you've got to give Leeds credit by the way, because I did think they played very well. I like the way they moved the ball. They look like a team that has played that system for two years, or two and a half years, two and a bit years under Bielsa, didn't they? They looked like a team that was well drilled. Lots of little first touch passing, a lot of little flicks around the corner, lots of little little layoffs, things like that. They looked really well drilled, and their passing and movement was great. But they've done that against every team they've played this season, you know. And in some some games it's worked for them, and other games they've lost, and then they've lost heavily as well in some games. You know, they've given City a great game, drew with them. They gave Liverpool a great game, and to be honest, we're unlucky not to get anything out of it. And obviously, they gave Arsenal an absolute hiding last week, and we're unlucky not to to win three or four nil there. So, you know, we've got to give credit to the opposition. But like Pete said at the end there, you know. We could have actually ended up winning that ourselves, potentially three or four one, um, and that's what made it such a such a sort of frustrating game to watch. I think that's where you're coming from, Mike, when you said you found it frustrating. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you know, it, like like you say, I mean that, that first half especially, there, there was chances for both sides, and and I think this is where people get sucked in with you know by the uh, the, the the commentary. Obviously, Sky last night, Kiger was a. Uh, was co-commentating. I think Peter was you who messaged to say at one point, you think he'd been on the air or something like that, some of the things that he was saying, because quite often we find ourselves agreeing with Kyger. I think he's he's pretty honest in, in his assessments and, and, and in what he says. But I think some of the things he was coming out with uh, last night were a little bit sort of off off the uh, off the beaten track almost. I mean there was there was one point where he was I mean he was saying we got battered. He was and he still sticks by that today. He's having a bit of a backwards and forwards with the with the toppy blues on Twitter saying you know we, we got battered and Phillips around the show and this and that. Well, you know, I think if you look at the first half, I think, like we said, it was it, when, when both sides were attacking, both sides were dangerous. We, we had two great chances with uh, Decore and Holgate in the first half, which both for me should have scored. Um, and obviously two goals to sell out as well. So it, that's not particularly a battering, in my opinion. Um, but I think that's when, that's where people get sucked in by by what they listen to. And I think, you know, Richardson came in for stick yet again. Kyra saying, you know, he's, he's, he's the worst player in the Premier League for this, always on the floor and this, that. And, you know, I think he needs to look a bit closer to home for that kind of behaviour myself. Uh, we, we've, we've discussed discussed this at length many times about Richard and how he's, how he's singled out. And, you know, time and again, he gets clattered and he does, and he's suffered this season. He's he's been injured this season because of because of that. So, you know, you've, you've, got, to, you've got to, I think, sometimes watch the game, turn the commentary off and, and make your own your own judgments and that's where the frustration comes in because that first half yeah 
Leeds were dangerous on the, of course they were on the attack but so were we and we we, we could have gone in and, and been you know two or three ahead ourselves on on a different day um and that's what frustrates me because I think almost I don't know what you think Peter I think almost we might have given Leeds a little bit too much respect from the off there yeah yeah I think so and it, it's hard to know where that comes from again isn't it not to lay the blame on um at Carlo's door but you know you don't know whether um, the squad had been told to sort of sit back and you know hold the back five because for me the second half, uh, it, I mean Iwobi didn't get forward at all. Like the first half he seemed to have a little bit more license to to get up the pitch a little bit. He was coming inside a lot. Second half that was completely stamped out. Um, so you know it's hard to know whether it's a, a tactical shift. It's hard to know whether the players just you know don't feel comfortable in that system. And you know like Lee said, you're up against the lead side that. You know, are really ingrained in the way they play. Um, again, they're not a team of amazing footballers. They're a team of really hard, organised workers. Um, yeah. And and on that, I, I think that's a really, a really, really good point in regards to we've caught up against the side there. OK, they've been promoted to the Premier League, um, obviously, this season. But they've had a manager there for a number of years now, a bit like Wolves. When they came up with the with the Spirito Santo, obviously he's still there now. So every player knows exactly their role in that system. The players who obviously have been with the side for a couple of years and have come up obviously know the system inside out. And then Bielsa has then gone out and bought players to fit into his system perfectly. Now if we compare that to to ourselves, now whether these players have played in the Championship, Premiership, whatever it might be, Carlo came in less than a year ago. He's had. He's used, utilised one window to, to bring in his players. He's still using players from various other other regimes. Um, so, and we've gone now to this back three in the last couple of games. Um, and we're missing, you know, which, which we haven't mentioned just yet. We're missing probably, what well, we're missing the best left back in the country, in my opinion, in Luca Dean. Um, so, so... The system and, and, and the tactics that Carl was trying to instill are going to take time. And it only comes to fruition when, when obviously, you, he's brought in players to fit into that system. Obviously, when he's gone out and bought those players, and he's, he's not so much using players from previous regimes. Um, but also, the players have got to become comfortable as well. And we, we've changed, obviously, tactics a couple of times this season already. And I think it's going to take time, isn't it? And and like like we say quite often, it's it's another call from us. I think for a little bit of patience on behalf of the the Evertonians listening. Yeah, yeah, massively, mate. I think I think I think you can see why Carlo's made these changes. You know what I mean? He, he, we we started the season with four three three, and up until the international break, it worked brilliant for us. You know, we we had a great run. I think including the cups, we won seven out of seven. If I'm if, if I'm right. Then teams, we came back, we had a few injuries. Obviously, players came back from international, typically from South America, not not quite fit. Uh, and teams started picking us off. You know, because teams, you know, managers aren't stupid. You know, they, they will try and look at, the, you know, teams got, got at us down that right side and they were starting to get success. Even before that, on our winning streak, other teams were targeted down there, but we were scoring four or five goals. And, and as Carlo said in his pre-match uh, uh, notes, you know we can't we can't keep on winning matches having to score three or four goals every week. It's not going to work. So what he's done, combined with injuries to key personnel, you've just mentioned it there, Luca Dina, but also Coleman. So basically, both our first choice fullbacks are out. Um, he's changed it and he changed the system and he changed it last week. And for me, in the first half, we did look open, but I still think we looked, you know, a million dollars going forward. And you can see Iwobi's probably had his best half. You know, certainly, if you're going to probably round it off, best game for Everton in, in a blue shirt. And what was frustrating there is that you've then gone, Alex. You know, he's Alex is for me, and, and Carlo again has alluded to it. Has clearly got a confidence issue, hasn't he? You know what I mean? Uh, he's one of those players that needs to be told he's a top player constantly. He needs an arm around him. He's just one of those types. And Carlo said that. I don't know whether you guys picked up on it. He said, didn't he? You know, us and the coaches have told him how good he is. How we believe how good he is. Um, and then, you know, he's had a good game at right wing back, put in some great deliveries and lucky not to get an assist. Certainly, uh, you know, as I said, had his best game for us. And then the following week, obviously, unfortunately, due to an injury to Luca D, he switched over to the other side. And you think, how's, how's the lad going to get consistency? He's played right wing back, left wing back, right of a front three, left of a front three. 
He's played a bit through the middle as well. I mean, he's, he's, he's played about five or six different positions for us in the time he's been with us. You know, and, and everyone's digging him out, saying, oh, yeah, he's, he's a waste of money, he's this, he's that. I feel for that in a way a little bit because he's clearly got ability, but he's, he's not playing in his, in his favourite position. He's, he's almost being utilised all over the pitch because he's, he's got a bit of everything about him, hasn't he? You know what I mean? So, but in answer to your question, yeah, I think um, Carlo has, has changed it and he's had to change it because of, you know, as I said, suspensions, injuries, to try and find a system to make us a bit more solid. Um, and ironically, when did we look our most solid under Carlo Ancelotti when we were playing 4-4-2? So, you know, which is obviously well known to be his preferred system. So don't be surprised if we see that again, maybe now, you know, maybe over this over this December period now where we've got a load of fixtures coming up, some key games. Don't be surprised if he reverts to a 4-4-2. I think, I think you're right. I think some people were saying, you know, yesterday after the news that Luca Dean was injured, um, there was talk, obviously, uh, we, we thought, I thought personally we'd, we'd, we'd stick with three at the back, which we did with obviously the wing-backs, but I thought that would be ideal for, for Niels and Kuku to come in on the left-hand side. Uh, but then people went and think, oh, could we go 4-4-2? Fabian Delft dropping a little left-back, uh, which later on in the game, obviously, Delft, Delft came on. Um, but I think I think the, 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 the tactics of playing three at the back is probably the right thing to do currently when we're in a situation when we you know we can see the goals uh, we need to shore up the the defense and, and having and I said it, you know if we're going to play three three centre halves you've got to have Michael Keane with Holgate and Godfrey either side to put that pace pace either side of him so I think I think probably tactically it was it was the right thing to do but like like we always say tact, you know tactics can be can be spot on in terms of actual structure and a formation. But the personnel have got to be right for that particular uh, formation as well, because it, it's it's another situation where it's it's square pegs round holes kind of thing again. And w- when we're sort of obviously Iwobi's gone over to, to left wing back, you had Tom Davis who came in uh, at right wing back as well. It's it was almost a case of needs must, but it takes away then probably the the, the good work that does get done on on the uh, the tactical front because these players aren't used to playing. In those positions, obviously, Iwobi's right-footed, had a good game on the right against Fulham, goes across to the left. Tom Davis is a, is a centre-mid. He's dropping at right, uh, right wing-back. So sometimes, you know, the tactics can be spot-on, but the personnel in that system may not be. And that, that's where I think we, we, we came unstuck a little bit yesterday. Um, and like you say, as soon as, as Leeds got that goal pretty, pretty late on, it was then, everyone was saying it, weren't they? Game over. Um, we're not going to score here. And to be fair, we didn't even threaten to go and go and get an equaliser. To be honest, and that that was that was disappointing. Um, but I think it's I think it's important that we do. We're, we're going to come come onto the balance of the side shortly, especially obviously with what happened in in the Leeds game and and the personnel who did come in and and the player in in the wing wing back uh, specifically. But there were a couple of positives I thought within the game. And if we, if we start with um, Jordan Pickford now. Jordan Pickford had, I thought, a decent game, and it's, we always think it's you know it's so important to say when players play well, we can, we can criticise as well when players don't. But I thought Pickford, in terms of his shot stopping, I thought he was very very good. And you look at that first half, uh, he made he made a couple of really good saves. The header probably especially I thought was 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 a top top save, uh, and then we saw one late on when Leeds could have gone two up as well. But Pete. But there's still that little bit of a question mark because we were saying during the game, weren't we? You know, when he made when he made the saves, fantastic saves. Great to see him doing that. That's what he does best. But there was times, wasn't there, as well? And it's important to highlight it where crosses were coming in, and I could hear shouts, and and he saw some, he was in the no man's land, wasn't he? And that doesn't breed confidence for the three centre halves in front of him, does it? No, definitely, especially. I- Again, like we were just saying, especially not in a new system um, or in a system the players are having to adjust to as well. And I think that's probably one of Jordan Pickford's weaker points as a goalkeeper. And again, another one he just doesn't seem to be able to iron out is positioning on crosses. Um, and he's often found out, isn't he? Often when he comes out, when he comes out or he's in the wrong position, he doesn't get the ball. You know, nine times out of ten, it leads to a, a goal-scoring chance. So it's highlighted. Um, so the, yeah, what effect that has on the back three? Or back four, whatever you know, whatever centre halves are in front of him, um, isn't going to be good. Uh, but in terms of the goal, I did feel for him actually. You know, for for me, 
I thought Godfrey had a, a pretty good game, but he's got to come out and press that. Um, and we were talking about this, weren't we? I think, but you know, last week on the pod, and Carragher did mention it in his commentary as well. And I, I thought he was right that at times Everton didn't know what what style of press to use, um, and it, it didn't seem to be consistent. And again, in the second half when we came out, couldn't work out whether there'd been you know a bit of a tactical shift at half time or for whatever reason we were just standing off leads a little bit. Um, but I mean, the goal was preventable. That shot should have never come through. And I think that the lad had Rafinha was it. He had so much time before he hit it. I don't think Pickford had a chance. I don't think you can blame him for being beaten from a shot outside the box. No, yeah, it's very I, I, similar I, I, to. Funny. Sorry, mate. Go no, no, go on, mate. No, I was going to say it's very similar to Hammers' goal, wasn't it? Hammers, the, the goal Hammers scored at Goodison, and I think that was probably the same end, wasn't it? But against West Brom. Yeah. Um, where, where you know he almost like kidded the keeper, didn't he, and hooked it into into the far corner. Um, I agree with you. I think Godfrey could have got out. He did get to him actually, and then the guy checked. So the guy was looking to play out wide to the left back. Realized that most of the people, you know, had kind of come inside, and then you know it's one of those, isn't it? He's just had a swinger at it, and you know you see it so often where the defender then goes to block it, which then incites the keeper, and then obviously it goes through the legs. Um, a lot of goals you see when it's particularly across across where you, where you hook it hook it uh, across the player go goes through the leg. So yeah, it's, it was just mega frustrating because it could have easily ended nil nil that game if it wasn't for a wonder goal like that. Uh, in in a weird way, uh, considering how many chances were there actually were in the game. Um, but yeah, I do agree with you, Pete. I did. It's, it, it just came down to literally he was going to score an either worldy or make a mistake on it in the end in the last sort of 20, 20 30 minutes. And and also another another positive as well. I think to, to pick up on uh, was the performance of of Alan. I, I thought I thought he he was definitely our standout for me. He was our man of the match. Um, I know Pickford. I know people mentioned Pickford in, um, on social media and, and what have you. But I think I think that's probably the best I've seen Alan since he's come. And that's that's you know him playing out a bit further forward. Pete was great to see, wasn't it? Because a couple of times he was carrying the ball. He was strong on the ball. He was brushing brushing there, brushing defenders off as he was going with it. And 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 to see him doing that, you know, was as well as obviously he was being busy when when uh, Leeds had the ball as well, and he was putting his foot in as, as he does. But it was great, wasn't it, Peter C, to see him go on the front foot, carry the ball, and and you know see a different side of his game and a side that that we we probably saw at Napoli, but we're, we're yet to see since his move to Everton. Yeah, definitely, he stood out a mile, didn't he? Stood out a mile um, in terms of central midfielders on that pitch, and he seemed to be enjoying himself as well. There was a few times, absolutely bossed it. You know how many times did you see him receive, receive the ball? With his back, I guess, to Leeds' goal, and managed to turn one or two midfielders, and then you know run and generally do something positive with it. Either keep the ball, or um, you know he had a couple of shots on goal, didn't he? Which, like you say, we've not really seen that from Alan so far. And for me, that was another one of the frustrating things. At times, you could see in certain areas of the pitch, we've got players with so much more quality than the players in that Leeds team. Um, you know, I thought, gosh, you know, Alan's really got a handle on the, these other lads in the centre. They couldn't get close to him. They couldn't get near him. So, again, for us to lose the game, probably on, on balance or, you know, I think probably due to specific things in specific areas is is frustrating. But, yeah, it, it does hold a lot of promise, I think, for the rest of the season. If we keep him fit and we get key players back, you know, we could be back to that um, that team went on that went on that fabulous run at the start of the season. Is that, is that where you see Alan long termly when it comes to hopefully, uh, Carl was saying in the, the press conference on Friday, uh, Jean Philippe Gavaman uh, is probably two weeks away from rejoining Everton in terms of training, and he said he would be ready to play. Um, like you said, you know, let's let's just um, calm down with the lad and give him give him the time. But we back at Finch Farm in a couple of weeks and hopefully back in in full training with the lads and being in and around the squad. Um, hopefully. As time goes on, do we see Alan playing that little bit further forward with with the Corey and and hopefully Gabamon in, in there, like you said on your tweet, in there as as the number six? Yeah, the sooner the better, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine if we'd had someone like Gareth Barry playing a six now? Yeah, I mean, someone just sitting there, someone intelligent, someone that knows to you know to cover the defense. I think 
I wouldn't say it would completely solve our, all our defensive frailties at the minute, but I think it would massively help if we just had to. Because I kind of almost feel solid, uh, sorry for Alan and Decore, to be honest, because they're almost having to do like a bit of everything, aren't they? And I know the central midfielders, so they are, you know, that, that, that comes with the territory a little bit. But like Decore, he's tasked with getting in the box, but he's also tasked, as we said, to try and get back in cover. You know, certainly try and cover. You know, if one of the if one of the fullbacks is bombed forward, um, Alan Alan's obviously. You know, you can tell it's just in him, isn't it? He wants to close the ball. He sees the ball and he wants to close you down. But sometimes, obviously, if he if he if he jumps in and teams play a triangle around him, then suddenly they're out of defence. And that's where you know, if you just had a disciplined six there, just sitting there, hopefully, you know, Gabamin comes back. You've got to remember this lad's not played footy for what 16, 17 months, something like that. You know what I mean? He's got to get used to the league. You know, he barely played a couple, uh, any games in the Premier League as well. So, it's a lot of pressure on the lad. But um, we even talked about it last week and they've even thrown some like Godfrey in there because obviously he's played there, albeit at a different level, but he has played there. Because um, I think Alan's best attributes, we'll, we will see the best of him. Almost we saw, we saw snippets of it yesterday when he, when he can win the ball back in, in the other teams, in the other teams are, you know, when he's basically in their faces winning it back. So then when he does win it back, he looks up he can almost either play in a striker, run with it like he did himself. He had that great run, um, you know, and, and just put it wide. Then he was a good block, um, and that's what we want from him, isn't it? We want him to be aggressive. We want him to get in people's faces, and you know, if he's doing that in his own half in front of the back four, and sometimes he's not even there in front of the back four, then that's why I think we're so we're so porous at the back. Um, but you know, because you know, Leeds at Leeds, like Pete said, they're not they haven't got many household names in there, but they're. They look like a team, like I said before, that I just just know what you know how to play the way he wants them to play. Uh, we look very much like a team that are in transition, and we are in transition. You know, you just said it yourself. Then Carlos had one transfer window. You know, the, the, the guy can't work miracles. You know, people calling for his head now is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, I know that's only in the minority, but you know, it's it's absolutely ludicrous. You know, we haven't got a style of play, we haven't got this, yeah, but, you know, the guy's got to basically put out what he thinks the best team is and try and get a tune out of him, you know, and try and, try and get that balance between defence and attack, which he's trying to find out at the minute. What's not helping the guy is that we can't put the same team out every week. You know, lo- losing Luca Dean, if Luca Dean's fit there, and I know it's a bit of a sweeping statement, but if Luca Dean's fit, where we plays, you know, on the right side of that, uh, of the wing-back role, I think we probably win the game. I know that sounds a bit ridiculous because just one player, but I think we probably would have. You know, we'll come on to talk about Nkunku in a second, but I think Iwobi's fit, uh, sorry, um, Dean's fit in that game. We probably win it. You know, you look at that Liverpool Leeds game. I don't know whether you guys all watched it. The very first game of the season, it finished four three, and it was a very very similar game to that. Leeds showed some great quality, loads of one touch passes, scored a couple of great goals. You know, and it was the same game against us. Both teams looked like they could have scored four 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 or five goals. Um, and it finished one nil. So, yeah, in defence of Carlo, you know, he, he will need time. You know, he will need time um, to get in those players. You know, we do need a winger, um, and, and we do need another right back, don't we, as cover? Yeah, and and I think I think the key point to take from that, and we're going to come on to obviously the as I say, looking at the the balance of the side, especially after the Leeds game. But I think the key thing to take from that is. Transition is is the key word, and and I know obviously patience is is difficult uh, at times, but we we've we've got to allow the side to you know we can look we've seen how, how good we can look at the start of the season, um, but even Carlos said you know there's going to be bumps in the road along the way this season. We're not going to win every game. There's going to be it's going to be times when we're not going to win, and he, he's looking at things all the time, and you know let, let's let's evaluate and assess Carlo Ancelotti. In 18 months' time, for example, let's see where we are then when he's had, say, another two or three transfer windows, still getting out, you know, getting rid of, the, of, of some of the rubbish which has which come in. Um, and then the players have had 18 more months with him, with his coaching staff, understanding his system, understanding his tactics, um, and then see where we are. You know, that's, that's, that's the key. You know, we, we, it's important not to, not to have knee-jerk reactions every time we lose a game. Because it's it's just daft, it's silly. You know, we we got a mind again that we all we all agree is it was it was a coup for the club. What what a man to have it at the helm. Let's not start being stupid, you know, and getting on on the on the mind just case. It's going to take time, um, and you know we, we'll see us play probably a lot worse and win 
this season as well. Let's let's not forget that because we it wasn't the worst. It wasn't Southampton. It wasn't Newcastle. It wasn't those two performances. It was better against probably a better side, but it was one of those things where you know it was going to be a goal either way at the end, and and unfortunately for us, uh, the, the, it didn't drop for us on the day. Uh, but again, tell you what though, Mike, I watched match of the day right, and 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 I said to you. Um, the commentary was very different on match of the day, very more sort of. And, and Carragher, like we've all said, we said you've said it before. You know, normally if he, he does a lot of our games, Jamie, and and obviously you know he he's normally you know to be fair says it as he sees it. But I thought he was I thought he was pretty bad yesterday. He almost kind of it was almost like lazy co commentary really. You know, he couldn't get enough of Phillips. So I thought I had a good game by the way. Don't get me wrong, but obviously you know that was already written down in his notes how good he was, and he just kept on going on about him. And then literally as well, you know, every time Richarlison went down, it's just like, yeah, look, we all know he's South American, he's theatrical, you know, Hamas does it as well. But he just goes on and on and on about it. You know what I mean? It's almost like trying to detract from his own team who were like just as bad, if not worse. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I thought Carragher. But then when I watched Match of the Day, um, albeit I don't know why, to be honest, because obviously we'd lost, don't normally watch it when we lose. But um, And they were like, the commentary literally was along the lines of like, anyone can win this year. You know, both teams are creating chances. Um, and and how, unlucky, how unlucky were we as well? You know, I mean, that goal from Hamez, you know, what a goal that would have been. He's literally, what, about probably, what, three, four, five inches offside? Albeit the VAR lines were an absolute shambles, by the way. I don't know whether you've seen that. They put the VAR line on the defender on his foot when his, obviously his body was like about a yard further forward. So it was a lot closer than they made it out. But what a goal that would have been. What a bit of class that was. How many players there would have just headed that back across the goal? Because obviously he comes to him and he's gone, no, I'll chest it down, take a touch and just chip it over the keeper. I mean, mm-hmm. that would have been a class goal. And then we were just mega unlucky, weren't we, with the um, with the Richardson header? I mean, Godfrey, you know, loads of teams would have had defenders on the post there. And, you know, and he, and, and as soon as he put it in, I'm sure you guys are the same. Like, get in, you know, and then obviously offside, offside, offside on a corner. How's that happened? And then you're thinking, oh, my God. That, I mean, that's just really unfortunate that Godfrey's found himself there in front of the keeper, isn't it? Um, but yeah, you know, on another day, we could have scored, you know, three or four in that first half, like I said. Um, um, so it's just, it was just, it's just one of those games. And the most frustrating for us as fans is that we've lost four out of the last five now. So all that momentum has kind of disappeared. And we've used that word momentum on a few of uh, the last few podcasts, haven't we? Um, and that was the key because the table is so tight. We win that, we go third, and we're still in the mix. Now, ironically, if the results go against us over the weekend, you could find yourself almost on the verge of being bottom half. Um, and that's that's how mad the league is so far this season. It is, it is. But you know, as like like we said already, it's it's important, I think, not not to not to dwell on on the on the results and look at you know the fact that we could have won the game. And it's again, it's a chat. It's a it's a case of not being clinical enough. Maybe things not going for us. And, and obviously, we, we move on to Burnley, uh, which, we, which we'll discuss shortly. But I think the key thing which you picked out before the game, and we've seen it in previous weeks as well, in terms of the we've discussed balance of the side, and balance is so important because when, when a team is lopsided almost, and like like I said earlier on, when you've got people slotting into positions which aren't one are the natural positions, but two on the wrong side, it, it, it almost undoes. The, the tactical side of the game and the formation which you, which you've been set up in and against Leeds obviously the 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 obvious thing was was the fact that we said we said already well we got got switched across to the left hand side uh, and Tom Davis played on the right and the, the first question really I think for everyone because when, when I put out you know the uh, the predicted start in eleven the eleven included as was but Awobi was on the right and. Uh, and Kunku was on the left-hand side. It just seemed like an obvious thing to do for me. Left-footed, got pace, can get up and down. Um, we've, we've seen it in the League Cup, and like like you said before, people have seen it against West Ham in the League Cup, and he, and he looked good. Uh, had a, an indifferent game against Newcastle um, in the league. But when we when we put a right-footer on the left-hand side, Pete, that's where the balance goes, doesn't it? Because it will be naturally just going to want to cut inside Every single time he goes forward. Well, definitely, and not not only a right footer, but you know he's an attacker. Mm-hmm. He's an attacker, isn't he? I mean, even even if he plays on the wing, he's not a defensive-minded player. 
you know, he never get into Burnley's uh, <laughs> Burnley's team. The, the, the lad's not going to tackle in him. You know, so you've got to feel for Alex Iwobi, you know, being being put on that left-hand side. Um, but it, it's just strange for me, uh, you know, how, how Nkuku doesn't even get into the squad because he's, you know, he's got a lot going forward. He seems to have, you know, the, the perfect build for the Premier League, you know, athletic, strong, um, did not look out of place at all against a really strong West Ham team. You know, they, they didn't bring the kids, did they? You know, when they played us, they put out a really strong team. They, they came to win that game. Um, and, you know, again, against Newcastle, it, it was a poor all-round team, team performance, but he didn't look out of place. Um, but, you know, sometimes I think Ancelotti's a little bit like Mourinho in some ways. He, he's he got his clear own way of thinking. He seems to, you know, favour certain players, experienced players. Um, you know, I, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think he's one for for youth development, is he? Because you know, I mean, we've had question marks about Anthony Gordon now and Cuckoo. Uh, you know, Kenny. I, I think all Evertonians would agree he's not going to be our long term right back option. But is he good enough to play against Leeds United? You think, yeah. Um, so it, you know, they do seem like strange calls. Uh, not for a minute am I calling for Carlo Ancelotti's head or, or questioning questioning him. But as a fan. When you look at that Everton lineup, you know, based on your knowledge of the Everton team, it does seem strange. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think obviously the 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 Nkunku one is is the big one for me, you know, because it was just a natural, just a natural thing to do was to slot him in there. Um, and I mean, we we can't say obviously we can't say well we would have won the game, but mo- most definitely you've got that balance there straight away, and you've got a left footer who's going to want to go on the outside with his left foot. We've seen what he can do. In the attacking sense, you know, getting getting down the winger, and he fires a great ball across as well. He's, he's putting some great some great balls over the course of the the cup run this season, especially. Um, so we know that he can do that. It, it, like like we said, it will be probably play slightly more further forward first half was a bit stifled second half, and he's going to struggle. Uh, you know, he's going to struggle on the right hand side. You know, but he'll struggle more on the left hand side in an alien position. Um, and you know, as soon as I saw the thing, uh, it was was a Phil Kirkbride. Yeah, who said about fifteen minutes before team news, he's just seen and Cuckoo walk past him in the stands. So we, you know, we don't think he's going to be in the squad. And it was like, what, what, what are we going to do here? Um, so it was strange for me. And like you said, Pete, it's not, not about calling the manager out, of course, but we were right to question it and, and wonder, wonder why. Now, I mean, Lee, Lee you, you seem to think that you saw something that might, might have had a bit of a knock, uh, which which would explain why. He wasn't in the squad. Yeah, I'd heard something that he'd had a bit of a knock from a, I think it was a journal that mentioned someone on, on Twitter. Um, if he did, then that would explain why he wasn't in the squad. And it makes you think that he must have had a knock, really, if you think about it, because why would he not be on the bench? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I know he had Delph there and you're probably thinking, yeah, I know Delph can come on if we need to. He can play on the left side. But Delph's not a fullback, is he? I mean, he's barely mm. a midfielder, never mind a fullback. You know what I mean? So, you know, he can't, he can't get forward. Um, and, you know, out, out of the two wing-backs that played, like you said, Pierre, I felt sorry for Wobie because he had to play on the left. I thought Tom didn't do too badly on the right, to be fair. You know, again, that's an alien position for him. You know, he, did, he, he was the one that got further forward out of both of them, didn't he? He was the one that looked... But obviously, we don't want Tom there because, let's be honest, Tom's final ball isn't exactly as good as Iwobi's. Um so that's why it kind of confused me a little bit. Because, you know, what Awobi does, as soon as he receives it out there, I was watching his out of possession. And out of possession, we're in a five, full, you know, back five. And the problem is, we've said it, we said it on the same last week against Fulham in the second half. As soon as you drop into a five in that system, you've got no width. You've just got no width. So if the fullbacks aren't getting forward, we're goosed. And that was the problem. That's why they had more of the ball and ended up basically, you know, playing a lot of the game in our half. But I thought Awobi, as soon as he does receive it, what's his natural reaction? His natural reaction is going to want to come in on his right foot, which makes the pitch narrower again. You know, there's a bit in the first, was it the first five, ten minutes where he actually did cut inside because he obviously, you know, he, he's not comfortable playing it down, on his left foot down the line or whatever. And he tried to play it inside and gave it straight, gave it away straight away, didn't he? So you could see straight away going, this balance is just not right. And Carlo saw it. And the reason Carlo saw it is because obviously he switched Awobi out to the right hook Tom off and then put, obviously, uh, Delph out on the left. Um, so he knew himself, you know, he probably, you know, he, he's not infallible, is he? You know, he, as good as he is, and he's a world-class manager, probably the best manager we've ever had. You know, he's not immune to criticism there. 
And I think he did realise his own mistake. And that's the reason why he changed it. Um, and the only thing I can think of with Nkunku, I know he's young, I know he's raw, and he's not proven at this level, but there's, he, must have been, he must have been carrying a knock. And I'd be very surprised, um, no matter what system we play, by the way, uh, against Burnley, if he doesn't play, if he's fit. But the thing is, yeah. Luca Dean's out for what potentially three months. So you're talking 10, 12 football games, aren't you? And that's yeah, not you know, yeah. more than that, probably with December, yeah. 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 But I think it's text for the end of the day. We're looking at potentially sort of 15, 16 games. We're going to, we're going to lose in four, which is a massive portion of the season, obviously, depending on where we go with the, uh, the League Cup as well. Um, but he's a huge loss. And I've said it already, and I'll, I'll stick by he's the best in the league. He's the best left back in the league. But for me, the, the, yeah, he's you quality. Know, he is people, quality. People, people mention, obviously, obviously Robertson and uh, people like that. But for me, I, I don't think anyone does it does it better. I think he's exceptional and we saw that against Fulham last week. So it's such a such a big, a big hole to fill. Um but like you say, we'll we'll know more when we see the the side uh, to face Burnley and obviously Carlos press comments before that game to see if, if there's any kind of knock uh, within Kunku. But we mentioned there John Joe Kenny. Now it's again we've seen Kenny uh, fleetingly this season in, in in a couple of games and um, Seamus Coleman is is another one who Carlos said he's going to be checking on him week, week by week so we don't know what, how long he's going to be out for I think potentially rushed back maybe or came back a little bit too soon first time round goes away with Ireland as per usual and, and gets an injury so he's another one who could be another say two or three weeks away before he comes back back into the side so depending on how we set up you know whether Kenny comes back in is another matter. But again, if he's fit, and, and Carlo said, obviously, he's, he's worked his way back to a position where, yes, he's fit. He's not going to be 100% Kenny, but he is fit. Then you can also ask the question again, well, why didn't we see John Joe Kenny in the side against against Leeds? Is, is it because he maybe can't get up and down? He can't play a, a wing-back role? I don't know. But that's another question, again, where... If you've got a right a, a right back on on the uh, within the squad who's available, then why isn't he coming in? And that's that unfortunately is, may, is maybe a, a sad indictment of John Joe Kenny and where and where Carlo sees him. You know, I think it was pretty obvious in the summer, wasn't it, that we we were after a right back. Obviously, Arias was linked quite heavily. Um, was it Dallas from United? He was linked quite heavily as well. Uh, who's doing really well at the moment over over in Italy. Um, so. Maybe that's just just a sign of of, uh, of Kenny not not going to be in the side at any any time soon. But I think that say you know D- Davis didn't do too bad, asked to do a, a job which was totally alien to him. Um, but the the the, the Nkunku one is the big one for me because he's shown what he can do, and that would have given us that that little bit more balance. He clearly doesn't rate Kenny, does he? I mean, if you're John Joe Kenny now. And you're thinking Coleman's out injured, and you're picking Tom Davis over me, who's not a right back. The writing's on the wall for you, isn't it? He obviously clearly doesn't rate him. Uh, he even referred to him in the press conference, didn't he? He was like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, John Joe Kenny, the um, you know the, the the guy that came through Everton's youth system, sort of thing." Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I just clearly, I, he obviously clearly doesn't think he's good enough, um, and he, and he's shown that. And that's what that's why was probably more annoying is that Awobi had played well playing that wing-back system. You know, so you kind of almost feel for Carlo a little bit because you tried Godfrey out there when Coleman got injured. Clearly didn't work because he obviously can't play it right back. He's then gone to, obviously, he brings Coleman back and obviously, you know, unfortunately he gets injured again. And then he's then gone, right, what can I do now? How can I squeeze these players in? How can I get, you know, a balance right here? And he's gone, right, OK, we'll play We'll play with wing-backs. And where we played then, like we said, had a great game. You know, probably his best game. And, you know, put in some great, great deliveries. Skip past players, you know, create, you know, was almost assist before the assist. Um, and and then, then to switch him on the left, just bizarre, absolutely bizarre to do that. Um, so like I said, the only thing I can think of, and, you know, whether he'll come out and say that in the press the next week is that Ngunku must have been carrying a knock. He must have been. Because the lads, the lads, you know, he was brought for the 23s, but he's shown some real ability. Now he will get found out. He's a young lad. You know he'll play, he'll come up against some some class players if he if he gets to run in the side now. But how else is he going to learn? Mm. You know, how else is he going to learn? You know he, he, Dean's out. Unfortunately, Baines didn't extend his contract. 
this lad's now going to probably have to accelerate his career. And, you know, if he has to play 14, 15 games now, what a great experience for him to try and learn his trade now in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, it's it's not an ideal situation. You know, ideally, Leighton Baines signs another, another 12 months and, and then there's no pressure on, obviously, Nkunku to, to be anywhere probably near the first team squad. And, and we're not having this conversation because Leighton Baines can get up and down the pitch now. You know, I'm sure that he's, he's still... Very, very fit and shows in great shape. And we were all calling from Society a, a short term deal the, the other day um, and get him, get him back in the round the squad. But, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. I think the summer in, in both of those areas, you know, probably cost us a little bit because we didn't address uh, the situation, maybe, which hasn't helped, hasn't helped things either. But, you know, whether Carlo changes things up for Burnley, we, we'll wait and see. Whether, you know, change of formation, change of personnel. But I'd, I'd hope, I'd hope that if he's fit, and Kunku's in against Burnley. If we play the three at the back again, you know, quite happy to see Iwobi as the as the right wing back after what he did against Fulham. Um, but we'll see. I'm sure we we'll get more answers from Carlo as the week goes on. Um, you think he'll change the system, there, Mike? Uh, I think he'll stick with the three. I'll be honest. I think he'll still stick with it. Yeah. But we, we'll just we'll find a balance because balance is so important. Like I say, you, it, it's so it's so hard to have an effective system when you've got players on the wrong side for me, uh, especially because in that, in that system, the wing-backs are so important, both defensively and attacking, they're so important. And if if the wrong personnel are are playing in the wrong position, it falls apart. And, and that's that's the thing, what, what we saw against Leeds, in, in my opinion. Um, but before we discuss Burnley, I'd like to just have a, you know, a quick chat about the, the positive news uh, over the course of this week, which is going to be the return of fans to, uh, to Goodison Park. Uh, only 2,000 as, as Liverpool will enter tier two of uh, COVID-19 restrictions on, on Wednesday, post-lockdown. But, Pete, it's going to be great, isn't it, just to see, you know, some people in the ground. Um, and I know, the, I think the rules are that you, you can't shout, you can't sing. Um, got to wear a mask in your seat uh, as well, I think. Um, but it'll just be nice to for for people going to games to have a bit of a match day experience. Um, you know, getting to see you know like Hammers up close and personal, which we were all crying for at the start of the season. I thought we might have to go through the whole season and not get to see this kind of quality uh, up close and personal. But it's fantastic to be able to get some fans back in the seat and supporting the Blues live, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Step one, isn't it? Step one. And, I, you know, I, I'll wear whatever they want me to wear. It means I can go a footy match again. <laughs> I don't care what it is. <laughs> don't, don't say that too loud, Pete, because people are older to that. No, but I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I think I read something the other day that um, do you have to be a Liverpool resident to put yourself in the ballot? So it means Anfield will be empty. We've cancelled those flights from Norway, mate. We've cancelled those flights from Norway. I did, I did see that that tweet at one point um, in regards to that. But no, yeah, I'm, I'm just... Dead. It will be quiet, yeah. It will be quiet. But um, it's it's just great. I mean, what, what are your thoughts, Lee? You know, I think some people are still within the camp that they, they want to see, obviously. They want either no one in or a full house. Obviously, we're nowhere near that at this moment in time. Hopefully by sort of spring and definitely to start of next season, we're all in. You know, that that's that's the that's the aim. Um, but we're never going to be at that point at this moment in time over the course of the winter. Uh, but what, what what are your thoughts on, on having, having a couple of thousand Everton uh, fans back, back in Goodison Park? I mean, it's great news. It's absolutely great news to have them back, isn't it? I mean, you know, even if even if it was, you know, 200, we'd be happy, isn't it? It's just the first step, hopefully, on the ladder to getting everyone back, isn't it? You know, there's been good news about the vaccine. Um, you know, there's a couple of different types of vaccines out there in terms of ones that might prevent you from actually just getting COVID. So obviously it's less intrusive and that's, that means, you know, the more people that can get access to that will mean that obviously more people hopefully will be COVID safe, which then means that, you know, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed by spring next year, we, you know, we might be able to get the majority of crowds back in the ground because, you know, it's, it's good, it's good that football's been able to still carry on in some ways, like other sports. But it's just not the same, is it? I think we'll all agree that agree to that. You know, the fans are the game. Um, you know, and you know, the home and away games. It's just 
almost non-existent now, and it's just a game now, isn't it? Really, there's no real advantage to playing home or away if you've got a better a better eleven. More often than not, you're going to win, and when the stats have shown that, you know, in terms of the number of away wins and things like that. But it's just great news that you know um, that we will get some fans back in the ground. Uh, and like Pete said, you know, no matter what he's wearing, he'll be there. So um, fingers crossed. I mean, it's the first game against Chelsea, is it? Is it next week? Yeah. So, yeah, so, so we've got, obviously, Burnley uh, coming up next weekend. And then the, our first chance of have fans back in will be Chelsea the following week. Um, so, hopefully, that gives us a little bit of a boost going into going into that game. And, you know, I'm sure I'm sure the players, you know, the players will love the fact that there's there's some fans there to, to, to give them some encouragement. So, even if it's just, obviously, clapping and the uh, and the odd shout, giving the Gilby Sigerson a bit of stick, which I'm sure will be massively audible uh, when it's... Uh, on the telly and also in the ground as well, but uh, we, we'll wait and see what happens. What happens? But great, you know, great news. You know, with, with a, a positive, a positive thing to to end the year on as well. After what's been a an absolutely shocking year all around for for everyone, I'm sure. Um, but before that, people I, shouting will be interesting, though, won't it? I don't know how they're going to police that. I'll be honest; it's so so difficult, isn't it? Like asking you to eat a donut without licking your lips. <laughs> 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 what an analogy that is! Um, Pete, Pete, that's true, that though. Pete, that 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 guy behind you will be shouting, "Get it forward, no matter what, mate." <laughs> <laughs> hey, you you laugh, but try it. You try eating a donut without licking your lips. <laughs> and I, and I, I put it on Twitter so we can all see. It. If anyone can Chat do challenge. it, I'll, I'll buy you whatever you want from the club store. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's it. I'm gonna practice all. Week. Hold him to that. Hold him to that. Yeah, I will. And then I'll come sugar, on next sugar week. Donut, sugar donut. It's got to be proper, proper donut. Yeah, a, a jam sugar. donut with all, with all the sugar on. Yeah, yeah full sugar. Don't, and don't be knocking any sugar off it into the bag you before you eat it. <laughs> I'll be sitting here next week with, it, with a bag of six. Ready to go. People will go through one, one by one. And then you'll go to the club store, my friends, and get me a full kit. But, but before, before all that, um, we've, got, we've got Burnley, Burnley away, uh, Turf Moor. Um, and I think a lot of people were saying, you know, before they beat Crystal Palace last week, if they don't win that game, the first home win will come against us, I'm sure. Luckily, they got that out of the way. Um, and since then, they got absolutely smashed by by Man City. City, obviously, uh, showing showing everyone what they're all about. And probably the first time this season, City has really put put uh, put someone to the sword. And, and unfortunately for, for Burnley, it was them. Um, but it's never never an easy game, is it, Lee? When we go, when we go, I say that I know we won five under the year, but it's normally a tough game at at Turf Moor. Burnley, what I call a traditional football side, aren't they? Sean Dyche as, as manager set off not to concede. Uh, a lot, a lot of a lot of big lads. They they, they tend to buy uh, a lot of, a lot of British players as well to fit into that particular system. That that's their model. But it's not, it's not going to be as much as they've haven't started the season particularly well. It's not going to be an easy game, is it, Lee? That'll be a classic Burnley game, isn't it? I know obviously City beat them. Didn't they beat them 5-0 for the fourth time in four years or something like that? Um, which is absolutely a shocking stat on their behalf. Um, it's kind of, you look at, how do you look at it? It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? You know, in terms of us playing them on the back of a 5-0, are they going to run that little bit harder now after what happened for getting a trouncing or are they going to have the tails between the legs a little bit? Um, they've had a really poor start to the season. Um, quite similar to Sheffield United, you know, both sort of relatively pragmatic teams. Um, I think they had the first win against Palace last week, wasn't it? But that was a great game to watch. Luckily, there's no fans there to watch that. Um, but no, um, yeah, they've had a really poor start. And to think we were linked with Sean Dyche, um, and then we ended up in Carlo Ancelotti. I mean, thank God for that. Um, I know quite a few fans were, you know, were calling out, let's get him in, let's get him in. But I mean, can you imagine the footy? Uh, we keep a lot of clean sheets, but um, it would be uh, a damn sight worse than what we've uh, what we sort of seen the last few games. Um, but no, yeah, it, it's one of those games, isn't it, Bernie? I think you know the, with the with the with the way they started, they don't look as as much of a goal threat up front. Obviously, Chris Wood's a danger, but you'd like to think Michael Keane would be able to deal with him. Um, and if you know if we're ever going to cl- keep a clean sheet, uh, this is a great chance to keep a clean sheet in this game. I just don't think they carry that much threat going forward. I think we should have too much for them. But, you know, Spurs went there the other week uh, and it took a last-minute winner to get a 1-0 at their place. So, 
it, it could go down to a bit of, a, of that type of game. However, if we do go there and score early, like Chelsea did, Chelsea then cantered to a 3-0 win, didn't they? So it's one of those games. We go there, assert our authority. Uh, it'll be a very, very different game to Leeds, put it that way. Um, if we assert our authority and Hammers is fit, Richarlison is fit, um, I think we've got enough guile and, and goal threat us to score to score two or three for me. You feel, feel the same piece about that in terms of, you know, if, if we can go there and, and obviously get, get get a pretty early first goal, uh, get get on top of the game, we, we could quite easily come away with a, with a 2 3 nil win. Definitely. No, definitely. I, I think we've got so much quality in, in the this, this sort of second half of the pitch. The best thing for us would be if Burnley did just try to sit back and frustrate us like they often have in the past. And sometimes they've had a little bit of success, but... You know, I mean, despite not scoring against Leeds, I mean, I, I think you could play that Leeds game a hundred times and we wouldn't score in one of them. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm confident we'll get goals against Burnley. I mean, even before the City game, I was just looking there. They had the, the third worst um, defensive record in the league even before that game. Uh, so, for whatever reason, they've not been as consistent at the back as, as what they normally are. I think what will be interesting for me is you know what? What does Carlo have in that back five? But it'll also be interesting whether he puts Yerry Mina back in, um, and again, what effect that has on the on the defence? Because I know we were saying last week we've seen a big turnaround of uh, of defenders and a lot of different sort of defensive combinations. So it will be interesting whether he sticks with that back three of sort of Holgate, Keane, and Godfrey, who for most of the game, you know, the goal aside, did did pretty well. Um, it is a game where you could potentially see yeah, you made a comeback in. You know, where he's um, obviously the the sheer size of Burnley. Obviously, there was a threat from set pieces as well. With, with obviously you, you, Chris Wood, obviously uh, Ben Mee's another one who, who causes who causes problems as well. And you know they, they've got a generally quite a decent a decent sized uh, size squad there. So potentially so. You know, yeah, you mean is not not built for speed, but he's certainly as we've said already in previous weeks, he, he's he's great in the air and he's shown up time and time again since since he's been at the club. Um but there's always I think I mean they've conceded the same number of goals as we have this season now, Burnley. And obviously we, we know how poor defensively we've been. Uh but like you said, Peter, you know, Burnley are built on having a good defence, aren't they? Being resolute, not conceded. That's that's how he sets up to, to be difficult to beat. And if they can then nick a goal and win a game, then then it, that that's the ideal for sure. And Dyson sure, but um, I do go there with, with with high hopes that we're going to have a reaction. And I think it's really important that we do react. You know, the, we, we we all expected us in a tough game to come away and, and beat Leeds and. You know, beat start at the start of another run after beating Fulham. Can we beat Leeds to make it you know two from two? Can we go to Burnley go three uh, three from three before we then have a really difficult run in December when we're playing a lot of the the uh, the better sides? And that's what's what's disappointing over the Leeds game. But we've got to we've got to see a, a reaction now. And we know there's no Luca Dean. We know the chances are there's no Seamus Coleman. But all being well, the rest of the side comes through comes to uh, fit over the course of this week and we can take what's available as, as our, you know, at least nine of our, our best 11 to, to, to take on Burnley. But, you know, we, we'll see this, the sitting fair bottom, they've got five points, uh, only won one game this season. So the confidence and momentum is huge and, and both sides are, are probably going in with, with, with a lot of both, to be honest. But let's, 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 let's go for, for predictions on that. What, what do we think, Lee? How's it going to finish? Well, for me, I think you, you talked about which centre-halves are going to play. I want Olsen to play uh, in, in nets, by the way. I think there's going to be a lot of crosses coming in. They're dangerous from set pieces. That's their biggest threat for me. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd rather Olsen play, as well as Pickford played this week in doing what Pickford does, which is you know, making spectacular saves. He just doesn't command his area, does he, at all? Uh, and they'll they they will be they will definitely be looking to exploit that Burnley. I shall definitely be looking to whip balls under the crossbar there and putting pressure on the keeper. Um, and um, for me, I I just think I'd have Holgate still have Holgate just get Holgate as fit as possible now. I'd have him and Keane and and Godfrey if we are playing a three. I thought Godfrey's you know he's looked half decent. Um, you know he certainly looked like he's promising. I know he's got bags of pace. Um, and I have Keane in the middle there. Um, so yeah, going back to predictions, I think, um, like I said, it could be 
for me, it'll either be 1-0 if it goes uh, right to the wire or if we get an early goal, I can see us winning um, 2 or 3-0. Pete? Yeah, I'm going to go for 2-0. I think, I think we'll get the, the clean sheet and um, I think Richarlison will, will definitely bag. I think he's been threatening now for for ages and he's, it's just a case of him picking his victim for who he's going to bang about four against. Uh, hopefully it's Burnley. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I, think, yeah, I always say the same. I heard that we'll we, we'll nick a win, but I think it will be a tight game. Burnley obviously they need the points. I know it's early in the season, but they're going to be looking for a win, especially at home. Uh, no fans are turf more because uh, that that part of the country going to be in be in tier three, is my understanding. So no fans, and and you know it's it's a big help to Burnley. I think having having the fans are turf more, but I think the first time we we actually play a side, we will have fans. In the current guidelines, uh, away from home could be February, from what I read the other day. So that that's a big a big factor. Uh, but I think I think we will win the game. But I think it'll be one nil. I think I can just see I can see a real tight game. You know, we we don't want to concede. Obviously, we we, we need to start keeping clean sheets because our, our defensive record is appalling for, for that side. I don't know for for the players we've got. But I think you know Bayern are going to be trying to be as tight as possible after conceding what they did against Man City. Uh, but I think we'll nick it. I think Richard and will. Will bag. Uh, it's about time, you know. One league goal all season, which was a, a penalty at a at Crystal Palace. So he's. Uh, I think I think he'll score, and I think we'll come away with with a with a win before we we head into obviously a um, a busy and and you know a, a more difficult more difficult period with uh, with Chelsea on the horizon. Um, but let's hope so. Anyway, um, let's see how that goes. But, but that's that's uh, that's all for this week. But Lee. I want to leave leave you just to give a little bit of a tribute to your favourite ever player who unfortunately passed away. Because I know you, I know you've uh, you've been talking about him quite regularly this week. Diego Maradona unfortunately passed away. Um, what a player he was, eh? Oh, mate, mate, yeah. Uh, I mean, he was just beyond our era, wasn't he? Uh, you know, ninety World Cup was probably yeah, the first proper World Cup, and he. That was towards the tail end of his career. He even dragged that Argentina team to the final in that World Cup as well, uh, and nearly won it. Obviously, just just lost out to Germany, but controversial in a way, or semi-controversial, really, because he was known for his sort of, you know, his exploits. You know, he certainly lived his life, didn't he? Um, but I don't know whether, if anyone's not had a chance to see that documentary on him that was released last year from the same guys that made uh, uh, Senna and uh, Amy Amy Winehouse. Um, absolutely unbelievable documentary. Watch it. You get a real sort of rounded picture of Maradona, the man. Um, you know, the classic sort of phrase that comes out of it, and I know Klopp alluded to it recently, there's Diego. He was quite a shy sort of, you know, humble character from, from you know, the slums of Argentina, Buenos Aires. And, um, and then there's the Maradona, the character that he almost created as a result of, you know, the people that basically managed to get into his inner circle. Um by all accounts, he'd always have 20, 30 people in his house and he'd say he didn't even know who half of them were because he could never say no to people. He was just that type of guy. Um, but um, in terms of his footballing ability, you know, I won't be alone in saying, um, for me, he's the best ever. Um, just a majestic player, absolutely majestic player. The balance he had, you know, and, and to think of the era he played and then the pitches he played on. I mean, you see some of the tackles he took. I mean, I don't know whether you guys have seen that clip against England. Obviously, the controversial game with the handball and the, probably the best ever World Cup goal. But have you seen the clip where it shows all the tackles on him in that yeah. game? Have you seen it, Pete? It's a couple of yours in there, mate. Um, but <laughs> they were like waist height, weren't they? Literally, some of them just absolutely taking him out. Terry Fennick could have got out five red cards in that game um, in today's football. But um, yeah, just a majestic footballer. Absolutely majestic footballer. And you know he's lived. To, he's done well to get to sixty. Really, let's be honest, hasn't he? Um, with the life that he's led. But um, I'd implore anyone to watch that documentary. I think it has been released again. It was on Channel Four the other day. I know Sky have got it on on their on their package at the minute. You can watch it on 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 demand. Certainly watch it. It just it just gives you an overall view as as of sort of you know Maradona the the man and where he came from, what he achieved in his career was um, nothing short of amazing. Really, with that Napoli team. Um, and the Argentina team in '86. I mean, Carragher 
can he say he said something which I kind of agree with? How many players could you name in that Argentina team that won that World Cup other than him? And how many players could you name that were in that Napoli team that won, you know, that sort of split the dominance of, uh, of, of you know, the northern teams of uh, Milan and Juve? And there's probably, you'd do well to name three or four in each side, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, of course, yeah. Yeah, he, he was, you know, what, what, what a player he was. And, you know, he, he certainly, you know, won, won league titles on his own and, and won a World Cup on his own. You know, he, he was that good a player. Um, and the footage, obviously, of Carlo against against Leeds yesterday, clearly visibly emotional uh, during the uh, the tribute to Maradona as a obviously former opponent and, and as he said, you know, friend as well. So, um, yeah, it's obviously sad week for the world of football in terms of Maradona. Um, what 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 a player he was! But it's a great tribute, Lee. You know, as 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 a as a, a chief member of his fan club, it was only right that you got the uh, got the last word on that. At the, at the end of today's show but um, thanks everyone for listening I appreciate you you taking the time to listen in like we said before if, you, if you're listening on, on iTunes uh, subscribe if you can drop us a follow and, and a, uh, just sorry, leave us a, a comment and a rating um, and that, that really helps us out and we, we will be back next week uh, post post Burnley Burnley Saturday half past 12 we'll be back on on the Sunday to record looking back at that game um, hopefully we can turn things around and and, uh, and nick a win and looking ahead to the uh, the visit of of Chelsea to Goodison Park with two thousand fans. So we'll catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton podcast. Podcast Network.